We absolutely cannot control everything. The only thing we can control is how we react to what's happening. How do you react to the river when it gets really messed up and it gets really strong and your boat overturns? How do you react? Hello and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear conversations that generate one aha moment after another for you. Every week, I'm talking to thought leaders around the world who are knee deep in their work, tackling some of the world's most difficult problems, and still, they think the future is bright for us all. We need to see what they see. We need to know what they know about getting around obstacles and finding opportunity in setbacks and living with a sense of burning excitement for getting up every morning. So hello, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles, and now the Goodness Exchange. It's a constellation of platforms that are all aimed at shining a light on insight and innovation going uncelebrated. Experience tells me that there is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about yet. But that's changing. And on this podcast, you'll hear from people who can teach us how they have found their purpose and how they maintain a view of possibility that puts a spring in their step every day. So today we're going to meet Debbie Gisoni, an executive, an advisor, an author, public speaker, and a serious thought leader in the world of inspiring people to make simple changes that radically improve what's happening in their world with as far as well-being and success and their health, business strategies. It's all there in Debbie's, her view of what's possible in how we empower ourselves We don't wait to be empowered. We are taking it as a challenge for ourselves. So her company, Self Power Now, is on a mission and a passion to create media that uplifts individuals and organizations and makes the very best of what we each have. This requires a deep love for self and others and life. So welcome, Debbie, and help us appreciate life on this crazy, challenging earth right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being here. You know, you're so passionate in your, in your introduction. I feel so good already. <laughs> I know. We are going to really take people on a little journey they could never go on without our little unique alchemy. And we hope that, that our discussion here inspires all kinds of other unique alchemies to happen as people talk about what they learned on this interview and how it changed their lives. Right. Like attracts like, right? It is so important, that one, you know, Uh, what I tell people about living a more positive life is that (laughs) you can start spotting others living like you across a crowded room. Yes. They have sort of an aura about them, right? They're the kind of people that walk into a room and everything lights up and people want to be near them. And that's that positivity that you talk about. And I know you're a scientist. And when I say like attracts like, you know what I mean, right? And yes, absolutely. You, you put out what you get back and you oh. get back what you put out. <laughs> oh, I just got goosebumps. I'm, I'm listening. I'm one of those people that gets on a song and listens to it day after day. And I'm listening to a great song called You, you Get What You Give these days. Mm-hmm. 
I like the happy song. That's my, that's my, been my mantra since it came out by Pharrell Williams. I just play it and I just get in a good mood immediately. It's a straight up game changer. That yes. one. Right. Yes. So let's get to your zone of genius, Debbie. I mean, this is what, no, I'm, I'm real about it. I think that this is part of our times. This, this great questioning that you hear, most people have uh, heard in the news this, the great resignation, or some people call it the great reset, where I believe the pandemic has caused a lot of us to take a step back. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, with all the bad stuff that people talk about in the pandemic, there actually is a lot of good that has come out of it especially for individuals, it forced us, as you said, it forced us to stop. And who doesn't want to get off that treadmill every once in a while? We're all on that crazy treadmill, especially employees, right? And the corporate culture had been become one where there was no division between work and life. There was, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in that corporate culture in the, in the, and now I'm going to date myself in the eighties and nineties where you just, you know, the expectation was, yeah, 80 hours a week travel. No, you're, you're kind of married to your job. And, and I bought into it for sure for yeah. a very long time for 15, 16, 17 years or so. And now other people are figuring out, wow, you know, it's at, at first, I think people were, they might've been a little bit afraid, right? To be with themselves. I don't know if you had that experience. I know a lot of my friends were going crazy saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I kept saying, why do you need to do anything? Just be, just be by yourself. And when people got into that phase, because it lasted so long, they, you know, they got tired of doing things, right? And finally got quiet with themselves. They got to know themselves a little bit better. And they said, wow, you know, there's a lot more to life than what I'm doing every day. And the priorities shift, right? Your priorities shift, your passions shift, your relationships shift for sure. Well, you know, that's kind of where we want to talk about, where we want to drive in this interview is to sort of open up the doors of possibility for people. Because it's very, very hard to sort of look at the life you built or how you got here to this moment, listening to this podcast, <laughs> and have this sort of sick feeling that you got to, that it's not been for something or that it's not. It was, you were on the wrong track. And I don't believe that. I believe everything that happens to us leads to this moment, this, this yes. whole moment. And then if we believe that, then we've got a world of choices out in front of us. Talk to us about that, about choice and about the self-awareness that it takes to lead yes. that. Well, I, I agree with you, first of all, Linda, and that is that Everything that happens, happens exactly at the time that it's supposed to happen at exactly the right place, exactly the right person, et cetera. So I never agree with people that say, well, I regret this relationship or I regret having this job or I should have never, or I could have, or I would have. That's living in the world of the past. And there's no way that you can control the past, right? And that's what makes people suffer so much because they want to control something that they have no control over. And the past can't change. And you talked about the now. The only thing that you can control is the now. You can't control the future either, because as we know, and we've seen through COVID, you know, plans change. There are things that are just completely out of your control. So it's really important and key for you to live in that now and not to regret the past or worry about the future, because both of those exercises do no good for you. They just create more suffering. 
Yeah, it is so true about about the way our mental chatter kind of churns away in the background. I call it the voice of that that pesky little voice in your head. (laughs) Don't listen to it. Sometimes I I was just talking to someone the other day and I said and they were talking about their pesky little voice and how they can't get those thoughts out of their head. And I said something that works for me is I literally talk to that voice and say, stop. I mean, I picture in my mind, S-T-O-P, just like, you know, when you get a text that you don't want. Right. And, you know, or one of those like robot texts and they say reply, stop to stop sending this message message to you. That's what I do in my head. I just say, stop. This is not true. Because if you're listening to that pesky voice and that pesky voice is usually very fear induced and angry and all negative, right? It's always negative. It's never like loving. It's never positive. It's never positive and it's never loving. And, And my feeling is that if it's not positive, it's not loving, then it's not you. Because we are all loving beings. We are all light-filled beings. And if you're listening to that pesky voice, I mean, some some people call it the ego. Some people call it the monkey mind, whatever you want to call it. Just get rid of it. You know, it's, it, it's, I know it's, it's easier said than done, but it, it takes practice. <laughs> it does. And, you know, that brings me to one of the first major points I wanted us to talk about today is this, this spending our lives in our outer world. Mm-hmm. versus getting comfortable with self-awareness and defining success for yourself and things like this. Let's let's dive into that right off here. Right. Well, self-awareness is important in life, not from a spiritual point of view, but from just a, a view that you need to know who you are, right? How can you go forward? How can you take a step forward if you really don't know what your spirit, what your, what your essence is asking you to be, asking you to do in life with that person? purposes, how to treat yourself, how to treat others. The dilemma or the modern dilemma we have now is that we live our lives in the outer world, right? We look a certain way because of what society tells us. We act a certain way because of what has been ingrained from when we were, you know, childhood or or even in schooling, right? And we believe we should have certain things and achieve certain things by what society tells us. That is all outer world thinking. And You cannot let that define who you are, what you do, or what success means to you. And until you stop that pesky little voice and that monkey mind, you know, it it does take some quiet time, right? You you can't find out who you are or, or, you know, I don't know, in the 70s and 80s, they used to call it finding yourself, right? You can't find that person that you are and what your really true desires are until you stop all the other stuff going on in your mind, right? And that requires silence. I, I hate to say it, but it requires you to be okay with being by yourself and with yourself for any length of time, even if it's for a minute a day or a bubble bath or 10 minutes of staring at a ceiling or a doorknob, you need some quiet time. You know, I once uh, was accidentally (laughs) at a a silent retreat. (laughs) I knew it was coming. (laughs) So many of the things that happen to me are like that because I'm sort of fearless. And if somebody asks me to do something new, I'm so curious. I just like, sure, sign me up. And I found myself accidentally at a silent retreat. <laughs> you know what? I, I just threw that out. I did, I must've been reading your mind. Or something. <laughs> and it was very funny and very Somehow I don't see you in a silent retreat, but people have said that to me too, because I'm such a talker and type A personality, but I have done a five day silent retreat one time and I'm glad I did it. 
it was super. It was really super. I would encourage anybody that sort of, this is sort of outgoing sort to <laughs> have to read it in. <laughs> Or even a day, or I think it was two days. <laughs> it's all like a blur, a right? <laughs> oh, that end of the day when it was done, it must have exploded like a chocolate castle. <laughs> but what I did learn is this conversation. Okay, we don't have to have all the mental chatter and the monkey mind. It, there can be a conversation in our minds yeah. that's yeah. asking better questions. Yes. Yes. And getting loving answers. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I actually practice that as well. I, I write it because I'm a writer and I, I like, I like pen to paper. I don't know if, if anyone else loves that or if you like, I just like having that paper in front of me. Sorry, trees, but I use a lot of paper and I just write myself. There you go. And I've got, I've got a pad here too. I just write myself questions and then just free form. Like what are the answers? And sometimes I'm really surprised because the answers are so loving. And I think, wow, Who's saying that? Who's saying that's such a loving thing to me? It, it, it is yourself. I mean, who else could be saying it? it's your own spirit talking back to you? And usually it's not that pesky voice in your head. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know, that's a very important distinction that you've just made right there. Like I, you see me looking down a lot through this interview because I am taking yeah. notes and I'll reflect back on them and I'll think about the, this moment or that. And what if we had to write down those pesky thoughts? We wouldn't. We wouldn't go to the trouble. We know they're worthless. But we right. do feel good about grabbing a pen and paper and <laughs> writing down some of our best thoughts. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a little self-discipline that can bring out the best in ourselves. Right. Well, I just think writing is so cathartic either way, right? Because if you do have a lot of stuff mulling around in your head, it's mm -hmm. good to get it out, regardless of whether it's positive or negative. And sometimes getting it out actually makes you feel better. I always keep a notepad by my nightstand when I go to bed. And the reason for that is when I was writing my books, I would get all these ideas for the next chapter or a thought or whatnot. And I, I, you know, it would keep going through my head. And you know, when you, when you're asleep, you know, semi asleep at night, you don't want to get out of bed and you're like, Oh, I'll remember it in the morning. And then you never do. So I've always kept a notepad by my bed and you know, it's good for dreams. You don't have to interpret them. You just say, Hey, I was falling from this and I felt this and whatnot. And then the next morning you say, yeah, I think I know why I was feeling that way. It's just such a great cathartic exercise and everybody can write. Everybody can write or, or you can, you know, these days you can just dictate right into your phone, a voice memo or something like that. It's so easy to do. Well, you know, there's some brain science on that. What goes on in our minds at night is sort of a consolidation. They know yes. that you have to have certain hours of sleep or else you can't consolidate your memories. And then there's a, a lot of sort of problem solving that goes on in the background. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I do that. But <laughs> we're yeah. getting off the topic here. I want to get to the 11, <laughs> 11 point in just a minute. But, oh, but just, I, want to get, I want to get to another point of self-awareness because yes. I know you brought that up. And, and mm -hmm. you know, I talked about, you know, it takes some silence and some inner work to do that. And a lot of people or listeners may say, well, forget it. You know, I can never do that. I can't sit silent. I can't meditate or whatnot, but it doesn't have to be that. First of all, meditation doesn't have to only be sitting in silence. You can actually do a meditative walk in nature, anything that stops the thoughts in your mind. But I want to mention something else that people don't think about in terms of self-awareness and that's play. Play is 
extremely important for you to reconnect to your inner spirit and to stop the monkey mind. Think about things, for example, you love to do, whether that's, you know, it's usually something creative or physical, right? For some people, it could be that runner's high. For other people, it could be painting. And when you get into those activities, you do stop the monkey mind, right? All of a sudden, time goes by and you're like, my gosh, five hours went by and I'm working on this project. And that really does actually help center you. So I, I don't want to mean to say that it's only silence. It's anything that just gets you into your true spirit, your true creativity and who you are. And that connects you to who you are. Absolutely. I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> what are you going to go do then <laughs> after this? What are you going to play at? What are you going to play oh, at? <laughs> I'm going to take a walk out, out there. Oh, good. Yeah. Nature is the best meditation ever. Yeah. I'm on a family farm in Illinois and... The woods here are, are still crunchy with the leaves. Yeah, yeah. Like in Vermont, they're already wet. <laughs> oh, I love that. And there's animals running all over the place. Yeah. And sometimes... Jump in a pile of leaves. Yeah, all that. Okay, so one of the things that attracted me to your insights was an article that I came across that was 11 positive things to do when your dreams don't come true. Yes. And I could not wait to get to this. So we're going to get to some practical ways of thinking about be resilient and how to think anew about what to do next when your dreams don't come true. Like there's all this never give up and this you would love and the money will follow. Yeah. All this sort of motivation (laughs) stuff that... I'm not sure it really works out that well. So what, and so I'm such a practical, as you mentioned, sort of scientific person. I really wanted, uh, I I really was attracted to your message here because you are giving us some day to day practical ways of thinking about disappointment. Yes. I mean, we all had a dream and then the pandemic (laughs) came. Like there's not one of us on the planet. Think about that. Seven point whatever billion people. (laughs) Didn't matter how much money you have or power or prestige. We are all back to a loving level playing field when it comes yes. to with changed plans. Yeah, it certainly leveled the playing field for sure. First of all, that article comes from one of my online on-demand courses okay. uh, called called Be Happy Now. And okay. Be Happy Now is about retraining the mind for positive outcomes, right? Okay. And I did write that quite a while ago. And I think I wrote it basically to explain a lot of why some of the dreams I had explained to myself, again, a cathartic exercise, explain to myself and rationalize, hey, why isn't this happening or whatnot? But I love what you said about, you know, all these little things we see, you know, do what you love and money will come and whatnot. And for me, I always love watching biographies, you know, on TV or reading biographies and of famous people, right? Whether they're in the arts or, you know, usually these are celebrities, right? In some sense or form. And, and they always say, you know, stick with it. And, you know, I almost gave up and I, you know, I, I stuck with it and it all came through and dreams could come true and whatnot. And then I think having known a lot of people in the arts who are very, very talented and very tenacious and determined and believe in their dreams, who never got that same kind of success. And I think for every one of those people that say, oh, all you have to do is this, there are 
thousands of others that never got there. And yeah, in the creative field, it's much more difficult. You know, if you were training to be a dentist, it might be a little bit different because you have to have a certain skill set and you get, you have college and whatnot, but then there are more successful dentists and less successful dentists as well. So you wonder where, you know, and some that are doing podcasts, you know, so you just never know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Well, and you know, that I would say that there are very few career choices that aren't fraught with twists of fate that are unfortunate. Yes. Or, you know, how you even got there. You know, if I had a quarter for all the people I know who start out as pre-med majors just because their family wanted them to be a doctor. Yes. (laughs) It might not be at all in your nature, all that that demands and so forth. So we always, what I loved was just the, the reshaping of the conversation you're having with yourself around your dreams when they don't come true. So let's just take it from the top. I loved your your concept about, you know, celebrate every moment. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, I come from a business background and in the corporate market, I was very successful. I had a, a set formula, which you can have in corporate. It's, you know, I knew A plus B is going to equal C. And I was very successful at that formula. And then I left the corporate market to write books that empower people. And my first book was a book about overcoming death and dying in your family and illness. And that was called Vita's Will. And I had experienced while I was in the corporate market four deaths in four years, my mother, my father, my younger sister to suicide and a very close aunt that I lived with. And I wrote a book about this experience to help other people that were going through drastic challenges in their life to show that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So it was a memoir, but it was more of a self-development book, self-empowerment book. And at the time, I don't know if you remember the book Tuesdays with Maury. Oh, it's it's one of my favorites. It was like, you know, number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And in my kind of business mode, what I did is you know, this is a new market for me, this whole book publishing market, but I'm, you know, I'm a marketeer, I'm a salesperson, I'm a business person. I know, I know how to have success. I should have complete success in this market. And I, I remember going to the, to the library at that time <laughs> and researching all the bestsellers on the New York Times bestseller list for like 20 years to see, okay, what were the trends? What were they doing? Oh, here's where diet books became really popular. Here's where, you know, I had this whole like, you know, graph and all the research and I put together, I put together, you know, just like I would do in corporate when I was launching, I was in the magazine publishing business for high tech, right? Just as, you know, if we were going to launch a new magazine, this is what we would do, right? We would do all the research, find out all the competitors, put our marketing strategy together, get the right name, get the right logo, get the right, you know, I did all the right things. I got the trademark, blah, 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 wrote the book, started, you know, letting friends read the book. They're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. This is, you know, even better than Tuesdays with Maury, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, uh, this, you know, this is my plan. You know, I'm going to write this book and it'll be a New York Times bestseller. And then I'll write another one and another one. And then I'll, you know, I'm going to launch this career and, and I'm going to get on Oprah because at that time, Oprah, you know, if you were an author, that was like the quintessential thing you had to get on Oprah to launch your whole big career. And guess what? None of that ever happened. I did not get on the New York Times bestsellers. I did not get on Oprah. And it's like, so, and for me, because I came from success, right? It was such a disappointment. 
I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? I know how to do this. I know how to market. You know, I had all these clever marketing things and, you know, I was getting little articles here and there and, but nothing was really like catapulting to that level. And I had to really, let me tell you, I was going through a really downward spiral because I was like, what, what did I do here? And then I had to go back to what my original intent in writing the book was for. It wasn't for getting on the New York Times bestseller list or Oprah. It was really about helping people, right? It was about helping people. And I remember saying this from day one when I left my corporate job and I told people that I was going to write this book. And I said, and I always said, hey, look, if five people, if it helps five people in the world, I'll be happy. And I had to go back to that original definition and say, hey, look, you wrote a book. A lot of people want to write books in their life and never get to it. You actually were able to like put chapters together in a story, in a coherent story and make it. And and this has actually helped people and all the little successes along the way. So celebrating each and every moment. And you know what? Those disappointments were part of that journey for me too. And it's, it is, I know this is so cliche, but it really is about the journey, not the end, not the end destination that you think is going to be the end destination. I think the destination hasn't ended for me in this, you know, publishing book writing. I've written two books since then. And every time there are, there are reasons to celebrate along the way. So when people put a dream out there. It's great to have like, you know, that ultimate outcome, whatever that may be, but not being attached to that outcome is extremely important is just keep doing what you love doing. If you love, if you continue to do it because you love it, then just keep doing it. Oh, I love that. I think it's elegantly simple. Yes. So the do what you love part is true, but the money will follow me not. The money may come in other, you might be supported in other ways. For me, it was in in my corporate contract work. Yeah. That's something to remember too, is that no matter what the the field is, you can, it's it's not a a zero sum game. I mean, when I was growing up with my, my dad and mom were very focused on how many marriages were failing because divorce was a new thing in in early eighties and even whispered it. And all they could see for my sister and I was that we might have to live under the thumb of some man. So they, they really just (laughs) just out the door and said, find a way to support your kids. If the man you choose leaves you. And that is so wacky to, but we did. (laughs) (laughs) And I tell you, I have been an artist my whole life. I weld giant metal sculptures out of art. And I can do that hobby without feeding, put needing it to put bread on the table. Yes. And just do it for the love of it. Yes. So I think there's some room for this notion of having a job that puts bread on the table and that you can find your your zone of genius in. We've talked about that earlier. But you know, it's it's not a zero sum game. You can do something that you you're not like crazily passionate about and to put bread on the table and still have more of you left over to give and, right, and, right. Create, and create. And I think to your point, we come into this world with so many talents, right? Yes. It is not a one path kind of thing. It's more like a 
I kind of visual branches of a tree, right? And you could explore all of them. I've had so many different jobs in so many different industries in my corporate career that have been really fun. And it's like, oh, I got to work in a TV station and I got to work in a, a nonprofit in the space industry and all kinds of stuff that I've never even imagined. And that, that's the other thing too, Linda, is in our wildest imaginations, we can't even predict what is out there, the possibilities. And so we have to carry on day to day, one foot in front of the other with a certain level of openness. Openness and optimism, right? Yes. So when, when things are disappointing, you know, I usually sit and say, okay, universe, just bring me something better, you know, then something better is going to come along or something different. And moving through those obstacles are important because if you just, if you stay with them in that disappointment, right? If you stay in that fear or anger, then you don't leave an opening for anything else to come into your life. Oh, that is so true that yes. And that's true of staying in relationships too long. Well, as long as you oh, stay, yeah. you know, you, you, then you're not leaving an opening for the or job. Yeah. I, you know, I think a job is a relationship too. I, I consider yes. that an external relationship and people stay in jobs way longer. You know, it's not our, our parents' generation anymore where, you know, people stayed with one career, one job, no matter what, you know, throughout and because they wanted that pension or they wanted the, you know, the big, whatever, the golden ring at the end. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. And there's, and there's no guarantee these days. So yeah. if, if there's no guarantee of, you know, financial security, then you may as well do what you want to do. Right. And if there's no, I think there's, there's no good time <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for a lot of these, these leaps in life, whether, whether it's, you know, deciding to move to do another job or look for another relationship or what have you, what have you. So let's take a break because this is a great time to talk about some really interesting things we're doing at the goodness exchange that relates to having, to helping people find and cultivate what they're uniquely built to contribute. And when we come back, we're going to talk about when to stop rowing upstream. <laughs> okay. So we'll be back in a minute. Hello, I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles and the podcast you're listening to now, the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. And I have a question and an answer for you. Have you been hoping the world is actually a lot better than what you see on the news and social media? Well, it is. In fact, it's radically better. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about yet. But on December 1st, 2021, all that changes with the launch of the Goodness Exchange, a digital landscape where you will see that the world is full of goodness and progress, and we will introduce you to the people making it that way. Bottom line, someone is solving every vexing problem in the world large and small. And the Goodness Exchange is where people are coming together to amplify a future that includes all that. No one with good intention and good ideas need feel alone again. Here's what you'll find at the Goodness Exchange. There will be articles about the most amazing things going on in the world that are going uncelebrated. There'll be interviews and events that will send your mind and heart soaring again and a social media platform dedicated to a culture of kindness, insight, and celebration 
a way of um, amplifying a brighter future for us all. And that social media platform is a place where organizations doing good in the world will not have to hold their nose anymore. It can be a trustworthy, respectable place for organizations to host their groups and gatherings and connect with each other. A network of positive networks, if you will. The Goodness Exchange will be a place to find mini courses and masterclasses for personal and professional development, and eventually there'll be a jobs board, and we have a children's website already all teed up. The thread running through it all is that goodness um, and progress is everywhere, and we will help people cultivate what they are uniquely built to contribute to this future for us all. Now, imagine a website with no ads, no games, and no agenda, just a simple and powerful vision of combining our collective strengths to create a future we can all celebrate. The Goodness Exchange will open a new era for us all as individuals, because you're going to find stuff that make your life better instantaneously, and as a collective, because we all want a better future for our children. Who knows what's possible if there was a place on the internet that brought out our best impulses and our collective genius. Join us after December 1st at the Goodness Exchange and start living with less fear, more joy as an individual and as a collective future for humanity. Thanks. Now we're back to the interview. Okay, we're back. So when we left off our conversation with Debbie Jasoni, we were talking about this wonderful article that I came across that comes from a course that she she has a number of online courses that I would encourage you to check out. This particular course we're talking about today is called The 11 Positive Things to Do When Your Dreams Don't Come True. Well, that's the name of the article. The course is Be Happy Now. Okay, so Be Happy Now. <laughs> And this is a fundamental thing that we're talking about, is that we have a choice in this moment to be glum, knuckles dragging, or find things to be grateful for, and all those things. And this next one that in this little list that's in this article is called Stop Rowing Upstream. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that concept. Yeah, I, I usually use this analogy for life, right? Life is like a river. If life is like a river, river think about rivers, right? They only flow in one direction. And we tend to spend a lot of our time rowing upstream, right? Things don't go the way we planned. We try to control them or we keep going back to that place of when they happened. And even though we can't change things, instead of going with the flow and trusting that, as we said earlier, you're exactly in the right place at the right time, no matter where you are in your life. And when you think about a river, it's a great analogy because rivers, some, you know, sometimes it's a slow, you know, you're going on a slow boat merrily along and sometimes it's crashing across the, the waves or you're you're stuck on the bank and whatnot but you always have to get back in that boat and you can only go one direction and that's downstream if people kind of remember that when they're going through challenges that the only way out of challenges is to keep going through them now that's not to say that you can't sit in the mud for a while right 
and stick in the mud and be unhappy for a while and be depressed and whatnot, as long as you know, that's not going to last. And, and it's important to acknowledge those feelings and emotions. You can't like stuff them underneath you because they're going to come out in another time. But it's important to know that eventually a tide's going to come back and swing you back into the river and you're going to be okay. You're not going to be stuck on the bank in the mud anymore and that everything is temporary. It's not going to last unless you make it last in your own head, right? That pesky little voice we were talking about. So just keep rowing down the river. And I even say sometimes put the, put the paddles in the boat and just let the river take you because it's about trusting. And sometimes we have to trust that we don't know exactly where we're going, right? That's a huge, huge, huge lesson to trust life. But it's so important because even though we think we have all these plans and we think we can control everything, we absolutely cannot control everything. The only thing we can control is how we react to what's happening. How do you react to the river when it gets really messed up and it gets really strong and your boat overturns? How do you react? Well, then that brings me to another point. You know, we, we one of the ways that we can react is to change our minds. Yes, absolutely. Super hard concept for our times. <laughs> People get fixated on one thing that they are only going to go this direction or believe this thing or never, never recommit. I'm, talk to us about change. Yeah, change, I think, is one of the most difficult things for people to accept. I found that in, when I meet people, you're either the type of person like me who loves change and says, yeah, let's do something new. Let's go on. Or you're like most people who don't like change. And one of the reasons for that is when you have to change, let's just say you have a dream because we're talking about dreams here and you have a dream and everybody knows about your dream. Part of changing that or saying, hey, that's not my dream anymore has this personal effect on you of, okay, I guess I was wrong and nobody wants to be wrong, right? But if you can switch that coin around and say, I've just changed my mind. Everything I did up until this point was perfectly on track. And now it just doesn't work for me anymore. And I'm pivoting. I'm changing my course. And that's a much more positive way of looking at things and not worrying about this external world that we keep talking about, not worrying about what other people might think. Because I think that's one of the big things about change that people fear. Oh my gosh, what are people going to think of me when I've been saying this all this time? I've been going Going after the stream. What am I going to look like? Am I going to look like a failure? Wow. And that comes down to your own personal ego, your own personal pride. Throw that in the garbage because none of that matters. Because if you keep going down a road, you feel like you don't want to go down, you're going to really suffer. I can give you a great example. I know someone who said to me, I knew at the second I was and she was about to get married. She said, I knew at the second I was at the altar that I shouldn't have been there, but I didn't want to disappoint everyone. And I, I couldn't change my mind. It was too late. And I say, honey, it was not too late because she suffered through five years of a pretty bad marriage before she gave that up. And maybe that was an experience she was meant to have. And I think every relationship provides lessons for us, right? But that's, that's a clear example of, no, I can't change. I can't change now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that constant struggle before, between the, what will the repercussions be right in this minute and that we can kind of imagine in our minds. 
you know, turning around to the congregation and saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. And your family and friends. Your family, you know? all the people. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, in the future, you can't imagine those four years. She couldn't imagine. So probably she did take what looked to be the easiest way out because she could see herself turning around to this whole group of people and saying, sorry, I made a mistake. But she couldn't see the next five years. Yes, yes, exactly. This is the problem. We really do want to, for a lot of times, the right reasons, take the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's easy. But we suffer. (laughs) it's easy in that it's less resisting, less change, but we suffer a lot longer. (laughs) I know. I've gotten it as I've gotten older. If I see a frictional situation coming and I just know I'm going to have to deal with it, I just know it, I just know it. (laughs) I now totally just hold my nose. And you know that that old Ryan Holiday book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. I I just go straight at it as soon as I recognize I'm going to be forced to someday because I figure someday it'll just be so much weirder. Yes, exactly. Just move through it. And again, that's that's the river analogy, right? So you come right. up against a, a rock, right? And you got to you got to get over it. You got to get yeah. over it or around it, but you've got to get beyond it one way right. or another. Yeah. Right. Otherwise it'll come up again. Yeah. Um, and that is it. So many things in life were doomed to sort of keep wrestling with and wrestling with and wrestling mm. with it until we get some skills about getting getting around or over them. Yes. Yes, right. absolutely. So that brings me to something that is a great tool to getting over around through tough times is gratitude. So (laughs) talk to me about your feelings about gratitude. Yeah, I talk a lot about gratitude. I have these four online courses. One's Be Happy Now, one's Be Healthy Now, one is Be Zen Now, and one is Be Loved Now. And in every one of those cases, gratitude comes in. And I think gratitude is like the linchpin, right? It's the linchpin to happiness, no matter what you're doing. Because it allows you, as we were talking earlier, it allows you to be in the now because it puts you in a place to be grateful for exactly what is happening now in your life. And it puts you in a more positive frame of mind and it crowds out that pesky little voice. It crowds out the negativity. When you look at, you know, if you look at your life as like a pie chart, right? And you look at all the areas in that pie chart. Well, you've got your job, you've got relationships, you've got health, you've got your your dogs <laughs> or whatever you, you feel comprise, comprises your life. Usually there's something that may not, that may be off, right? And what happens is when that thing is off, it overshadows everything else, right? But if you look at it from a point of gratitude and you look at all the other pieces of the pie and start being grateful for everything else in your life, that starts overshadowing the negative situation that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude is such a tool, but back to the self-awareness, we have to be able to call ourselves mm-hmm. to the, and say, Oh, <laughs> call ourselves into a moment of gratitude when otherwise we're going down the downward spiral. Yes. And again, it takes being present, which is all that self-awareness is. It's about being present, taking a silent moment, 10 minutes even, and just being present and saying, what can I be grateful for? I've had a practice that I've been doing since childhood and right before bed. And that is to just think about the day and think about all the things I was grateful for that day. I just do it mentally. It helps me go into dream time on a real positive note instead of you know worrying and thinking about how terrible things are. And these are really small things. It's not like big life things. It's usually like 
wow, I had, you know, I, I went out on a walk today and I had the legs to do that, or the sun was shining, or I heard from a friend who I hadn't heard from in a long time, or so I did something for someone or they did something for me, or just, I, I always have my husband and my dogs on that list, although we just lost our last dog, but there'll be more. So just little things, it just takes little things to get you in sort of a mode of appreciation, right? Appreciation for just being here on life, because it is really precious to be here on life. It's very, very precious. And when we just, you know, we're on that treadmill going, 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 doing, 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 we forget about that. To just ask you what you think about this, I found it also helps not to be grateful through comparison. Oh, yes. So you know how your mom and dad might have said to you, well, you know, there's starving children in some place in the world, your green beans. Yes. That, that kind of gratitude through comparison or my sister-in-law passed away this morning and I'm so grateful. I mean, that really happened. <laughs> and oh. She was this amazing person. She's one of the people I call the joyful ones. Oh. She was one of those people that, you know, would sing while she was doing the dirtiest jobs. And mm. she was always the first person in a downward spiral conversation to say, but we can think about it this way. And she always <laughs> brought the mood up. Always. She Aww. would never let the mood go down. And, you know, I could be grateful when I lay in bed today that I had a day of life. I had one more day of life so far than, than Teresa, this beautiful human being, did. I don't feel gratitude by comparison is if it doesn't feel, do you know what I'm saying? Maybe you can articulate it better than me. Whereas if I just say, man, my best days, I start by eating pie. I had a piece of pie left over. I love day. pie in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, just to be grateful for these things that don't need a comparison to something else. Like yeah. every day I start with pie is a good day, you know, leftover piece of pie from Thanksgiving. I put in the freezer for just this sort of morning, right? <laughs> Well, I sort of agree and disagree with that. And I'll tell you why. Yes, I agree that I agree that you don't want to be grateful because you're better than or you have more than. But if you come from sometimes it takes looking at things in perspective. And, and I'll give you a clear example of this. So one of the people in my family that died was my mother and she was she died at 59, but she was 49 when a brain tumor was discovered and they operated, but they didn't get it all out. And it kind of left her 24 seven care and she was in chronic care facilities all the time. And when something like that happens to your family, it's all encompassing, right? It's it's like, why us? Why? You know, we're we've got the worst fate in the world kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you go, we'd, we'd go to visit her in some of these facilities and we'd see people that were so much worse off and families that were so much worse off. And it does bring you to a state of gratitude. Okay, this isn't for, for this reason, this isn't as in the big picture, in the big scheme of life, in all the universe, this isn't as bad as we think. When when people are going through depression or they're they're feeling like the world is coming down on them, it's important to look at the whole picture and see, I'm not the only one suffering. And that's where that comparison thing is, I think, useful for people. I would agree with you there. I would agree with you. I more mean that green beans at the dinner table thing that are dead. Yeah, yeah. That you heard growing up, starving <laughs> children. Yeah, and, starving yeah. children and wherever. You, you, I you think know, we, that was just a ploy for our parents to get us to do and eat. 
what they wanted us to do and eat. And that's programming, right? It's programming that we have to get rid of, you know, we have to recover from in our adult life. You know, everything, yeah. I, I think it, everything up until about age seven is that programming from your guardians and your, well, whoever that is, your grandparents, your parents yeah. and whatnot. And a lot of that programming is false beliefs, right? That we have right. to realize later on and shed. Yeah. Also, I, we, um, there's a, there's a peace of mind that comes from just accepting that this is, mm -hmm. you know, that, and not labeling things necessarily good or bad, just this is. And I think that there could be a lot of gratitude there when then you say, and it could be <laughs> this other way, right? Right. Right. Just as even. Yeah. Acceptance so, is a huge part of, yes. of life. And, and that could go back to that river example as well. You know, you have to accept what is that you have no control over. Yeah. And that, that leads me to something else that I love to hear you talk about that I've heard you say, you talk about something akin to not marrying an outcome. Mm -hmm. This is the problem with our dreams, isn't it, yeah. Debbie? Is that we we create such a very very vivid detail? The only the only successful outcome looks exactly like this, and then everything that could happen falls falls short. Talk yeah. to me about that. Yeah, this is it's really hard. It's it's a little bit of surrendering, right? And and people don't like the word surrender because they think it's giving up my power, giving up my control. But it really isn't. It's just going more with the flow. And it's great to have goals and objectives. I'm not saying not to have those, but have them loosely. And it's great to have an action plan towards them. But be open to possibilities that may take you in a completely different direction. That, by the way, might be even better than what you imagined. You know, for your initial goal and or you might not reach that initial goal and you might get sidetracked or change your mind or something happens you know in your life or covid happens or the economy falls you know if you were launching a business plan or planning to launch a business right during covid and then all of a sudden covid hit what do you do you know you pivot yeah. and you do something else and maybe that or maybe you just put it on pause right there's there's also the pause you can hit the pause button too and go back to things as well but not being attached to the outcome is extremely important, but also difficult to do, right? Because we've got this outcome. I say be attached to the feeling more than the outcome and the feeling of being in the place that you want to be in, in life. And what does it feel like to have that success? How do you feel? What does it feel like to be whatever that goal is to be in a happier relationship without actually defining what that is? Not the outcome. Right. right. Yeah. This is lovely. So in that same light, then we get to another one of these 11 great insights. You say you can unfollow your dreams. <laughs> yeah. And this is, again, this goes back to change, right? Maybe that dream is not working for you anymore. This, again, you know, life changes. Life changes all the time. You might have had, like in my case, I think very early on in my life, I might have thought just, you know, based on society, oh, I'm going to, you know, get married and have children, you know, like most people think that, right? And then I got into the situation where I was a caregiver for my family that was going through all these 
terrible deaths and illnesses and and whatnot. And that was in my early twenties, believe it or not, you know, twenties to like thirty, early thirties. And by that time, I said, "Oh gosh, there is like no way I want children." You know, I I just you know want my career, my husband, my dogs, my four legged children, and I, and I'm good. You know, I've done all my nurturing that I need to do. I'm I'm I'm, I'm done with it. So in that case, maybe I would uh, I would say, "Oh, that's an unfollow." Right? I I don't think it was ever like a big dream of mine, but it was like a, almost like an expectation, right? Like most people just expect they're going to have children, but you can unfollow any dream and it's okay. It's okay. Just check the box and move on. You know, I think it does come down to this, our constant worry about what other people think. And almost every bit of this conversation, mm-hmm. there's an element of that. We don't do this thing that sounds so logical when you say it, you can unfollow your dreams. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't we do that? That sounds so logical. You can be gracefully fail. You can be grateful, all those things. And a lot of these things we don't do because we are thinking too hard about what other people are thinking. What other people are thinking and what is, what is the expected norm, the societal yeah. expected norm, and you don't want to go against the grain. I really admire people that just kind of, you know, march to the beat of their own drum. I don't think I'm always like that. I, I've done a, a lot of different things, you know, leaving my career, successful career without knowing what I was going to do and, and whatnot. And I, I've done a, a lot of bold things, but some people are even bolder and it's because they don't really prescribe to what other people think about them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know where this quote comes from. What, what other people think of you is none of their business or some, something to that effect. And it's true. And you know what? Most people are thinking about their own stuff. Okay. They're yeah. really not thinking about yours. They're thinking about their own. They're worried about what people are thinking about them. <laughs> more than more than it's it's sort of like, you know, when you clean your house because people are coming over, they don't see anything. They don't see the dirt that you cleaned off. They they have no idea. You know, they're worried about what they're wearing or, you know, how they come across. We're all so worried about that outer world and you know how it affects us. And the it's the inner world that's more important our own inner world. Well, I'll tell you, we all can look at the last going on two years could be longer depending on when someone finds this podcast as as, it's our choice. It's a gift in, in some way it's tragic in so many ways, but there are gifts hidden in the tragedy as there always is in life. And we get to choose. Yes. (laughs) That's the part that I really like to emphasize on this podcast is that the reason why you keep putting one foot in front of each other, in front of the other uh, through hard times, Debbie, is because you're consciously choosing. You're not on autopilot. Am I right about that? Absolutely. And actually it's not even autopilot. It's choosing to go down a road, a downward spiral of self-pity and why me or choosing the high road, right? And saying, you know what? I, I could learn from this. What can I do that's positive? You know, after those four family deaths, I chose to make something positive about them and start, and, I, and it changed my career trajectory forever. You know, I became a writer and a speaker and self-empowerment. I got my certification in hypnotherapy and started doing meditations for people. So everything changed based on these horrific events that happened in my life. And so I have to be grateful for that, right? Right. right. This is what we're called, these times call us to do is ask better questions, come up with better answers to this 
this constant chatter that we have in our minds. Well, I want you to share with us because I'm sure people will want more insight, more, more down all these paths we opened up today. Tell us where people can connect with all your work. Just please sure. make sure you're thorough about it. We're going to put everything Debbie talks about in this, in the show notes. So you don't have to grab a pen. Right. So self power now is the website. Uh, that would be the first step. If you go on there, there's a couple of free gifts for you. I have what I call a happiness bundle, which is a few chapters from one of my happiness books, an article and a download of a meditation, a 10 minute meditation, a guided meditation that you can use. And it's a, we were talking about nature. It's actually a journey through nature. So hopefully that'll, that'll help calm people, get them a little less stressed and whatnot. So that's on the site as as well on the site are links to the three books I was talking about. And one is on overcoming challenges. One is on happiness and one is on self-love, which I think is one of the most important lessons we're here to, to learn in our lifetimes. And then also you'll see uh, links and information to the online digital on-demand courses. Any of them can be purchased. You can, they're self-paced, so you can do them on your own time. And there are four of those, one on happiness, one on health. And when I say health, it's all your external circumstances, not just your physical body, but also your success and your career and your finances and whatnot. One is on being what I call Zen, and that's about decreasing your stress and, and finding that inner power to overcome challenges and being peaceful about it. And the last one is about being loved because don't we all want to be loved in life? But we know that that comes first from the self-awareness and self-love. Yeah, you and I started out this conversation before we started recording, talking about how we can spot positive people across the room and how attractive it is. And I mean, attractive, like magnets attract, yes, not yes. like physical beauty, but attractive people can be. And I think that that's the way we're going to get out of this negative dialogue we're in is yes. if more people like you and I and more people like my team and more people like the people that you maintain in your orbits find each other come together start being a force for goodness and progress in the world be the shoulder be the ear for each other and improve and you know be open to having your opinions improved yes that's going to make a better world and you have surely improved ours today oh thank you so much Thank you. So today, for any more information about Debbie's work or subjects, anything we mentioned, we mentioned a few great books. Tuesdays with Maury is a, a lovely one. And I want you to go get, what was the name of your book related to Tuesdays with Maury? Vita's Will. Vita is the name of my mother. And <sighs> this, the subtitle is Real Life Lessons About Life, Death, and Moving On. Everything we're talking okay. about. <laughs> all need this now I, I i have had three deaths in the last seven weeks in my in my family this is a time to think about how we how we are in the world good and bad coming our way constantly mm -hmm. so thank you debbie for sharing all this with me remember to check out the goodness exchange it is the home for goodness now on the internet and we are bringing people together around great thought leaders great ideas you know anyone uh, there are so many people who care about this world we're just not finding each other but there we're going to come together and uh, i appreciate you getting the ball rolling on on many topics today for us now you know always dive into the articles there and the other speakers we've had on the podcast and they will carry you through what might be the next challenging week you have or make even more of a remarkably positive week you have. 
Thank you, and keep finding the joy and wonder that Debbie and I started talking about today. Have a great one. 